Satomi was born and raised in Japan and accepted Christ while a high school student through missionaries in her hometown. Stefan was uh, raised in uh, Hawaii and accepted Christ while in college at Oregon State University. Go Beavers. <laughs> the 42-24. <laughs> we have come to share a way where you can be credited with bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to one of the world's largest unreached people groups, the Japanese, where Buddhism, um, peer pressure, and parental pressure are huge barriers for the gospel. We are career missionaries with TEAM, the Evangelical Alliance Mission, um, based in Wheaton, Illinois, um, since 1999. TEAM is over 100 years old and has over 600 missionaries in 39 uh, countries around the world. TEAM's focus is church planting. TEAM uses people in community development, ESL, counseling, sports, technology, healthcare, business, linguistics, music, and education. We have multi-agency, multi-ethnic, and multinational teams. While team is involved in many types of ministry, its focus remains church planting. Satomi and my role with team in Japan is church planting evangelize um, Japanese nationals and disciple them to start churches that start churches. Currently in Kobe, Japan, we've been there since 1999, uh, 2002. We have one church plant that we started five years ago. When we return next year, our, our vision, our goal is to start another church from that church plant number one. In Japan, the average church size is about 24 to 30 people. It takes about 15 to 20 years for a church to mature in Japan. Um, in Kobe, we use about 10 different types of meetings throughout the week and the month to meet people, to gather them regularly, um, to build relationships so that we can tell them the gospel. We use... Um, Parenting classes for mothers, which Satomi teaches. Satomi teaches Bible and baking, um, has a Bible and baking club where she invites neighborhood housewives to our home. She teaches them a baking recipe. They make it right there in our uh, dining room, and then they put it in the oven. While it's baking, Satomi has a beginner Bible study. And for most of the housewives, it's the first time they've ever seen or opened and read a Bible. We also have um, <clears throat> conversational English classes for children and adults. I have two marriage, uh, husband's marriage small groups. Satomi has two wives' marriage small groups. We have Sunday school for children on Sunday. We have Sunday school for children on Wednesday. And Sunday school for children on Thursday. Because a lot of children do not come to Sunday school on Sunday. Um, we have beginner Bible studies, um, high school youth meetings, and American church-based homestay trips. Okay. Go back in time. It's the winter of 1988. I'm sitting on a tatami mat floor 
at a small kotatsu. A kotatsu is a low Japanese-style living room table. It's in Mr. Kamimura's Japanese-style apartment. Me and five other Japanese adults just finished singing uh, Japanese praise songs, and we were opening our Bible to start our weekly home Bible study. Besides the whole meeting um, at, uh, in Mr. Kamimura's apartment, Stefan was discipling him in their church plant. Mr. Kamimura was a new Christian. It was always a noisy meeting with six adults, two babies, two elementary school girls, and three high school students. The children left to go to another room in Mr. Kamimura's apartment. As I said, we sat down, we opened our Bibles, we were ready to start. One of the high school girls ran in and said one of the little um, two-year-old boys just threw up. Mr. Mr. Utsumi, who um, I was also discipling, had taken him by the feet and was twirling him around playing before the meeting. His parents jumped up, ran to the other room, cleaned him up, cleaned up the floor, and came back in. We tried to start again, but you know, with um, six adults and seven kids in a small Japanese apartment, we had a lot of interruptions. We probably had one interruption every five, ten minutes. 8.30 rolls around. The parents um, close their Bibles, jump up, get their kids, and go home. And I was thinking, Lord, I don't know if we really accomplished much during that time because there were so many interruptions. But, you know, God did use those weekly home meetings uh, to win all those who attended all five adults accepted Christ and were baptized. All seven children came to church, Sunday school, accepted Christ, and were baptized. Mr. Kamimura even became an elder in one of our church plants. Um, but don't get us wrong, church planting in Japan is slow. It is expensive, and it is difficult. But we're finding it's all about relationships and sharing Christ in the neighborhoods. It can even happen with six adults, seven children, in a small, um, squeezed into a small tatami mat room. At 10 a.m. on Tuesday, May 2007, Hideo was sitting on the, uh, on the sofa in her living room in Kobe, Japan. She was one of 10 women in their 30s sitting on the sofa and chairs in her small American-style living room, waiting for my biblical parenting class to begin. The morning sunlight was shining through the windows, making the room bright. The biblical parenting principles helped her so much that she started attending Stefan's beginner Bible study. One day, she called us and said she would like to see us. Stefan and I met Hideo. She asked us how she could become a Christian and what she should do as a believer. My heart jumped, and I thought, oh, this is a miracle. I knew that less than one out of 1,000 Japanese accept Christ. Buddhist tradition, uh, culture, 
fear, and parents are huge barriers for the gospel in Japan. How to become a Christian? We told her the essence that Christ died for her sins to take away the eternal penalty of her sins, that she needed to repent and accept Christ. Um, to grow as a Christian, she would have to come to church, read her Bible daily, tithe, and serve in our church plant. She asked us be, to lead her in a prayer to accept Christ into her heart. As she was praying the sinner's prayer, my head was spinning with joy. That day, a miracle happened, and Hideo became a child of God. As you may be, as you may be aware, our assignment now is to share our ministry as many people as possible. The Lord has assured us that he will meet our financial and prayer needs through his people. We wouldn't think of returning back to Japan without representing a group of people who share our strong burden and commitment for evangelism and discipleship in Japan. Perhaps God is inviting you to partner with us. If you'd like to know more information about our ministry and partnering with us, um, please see us in the back after at our, um, at our display there at the back of the auditorium. Okay. Thank you for listening. Seems like a lot of the churches we go to, um, people talk about Hawaii. And so what I'm trying to do as we're um, visiting different churches and speaking at churches, I'm taking an informal survey. I grew up in Hawaii, and my wife and kids love Hawaii. It's a wonderful place to grow up. It really is. Um, so I'd like to ask, who of you have been to Hawaii? Just please, whoa. This is a lot. Okay, keep them up. And who of you have friends or relatives who's been to Hawaii? Okay, thank you. You can put them down. Surprising. It's a lot of people. Um, that's nice. Um, but <laughs> right now, I'd like to turn our thoughts, our minds, and our hearts to something far more important than Hawaii. I want to look at um, some important verses um, for us as missionaries as we seek to live our lives loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might, as we seek to love our neighbors as ourselves, and as we seek to make disciples for Jesus there in Japan. But these verses are important not only for us, but for you also, as you seek to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, as you seek to love your neighbor as yourself. And as you seek to make disciples for Christ right here in Brush Prairie, please open to um, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Neat, neat verses. Kind of summary verses for the book of John. And um, wonderful start for today. John chapter 20, verses 30, 31. 
Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are our God, and we thank you. We thank you for today, for this time and this place. Perhaps um, it'll be like no other. May you instruct us. May you help us. Father, we desperately need you every day. And we desperately need you now. We, we want you to work in our minds and our hearts today. And we expect and we hope that you will. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. These have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you may have life in his name. It's always important to remember who the Savior is, Jesus Christ. Him, the appointed one, the anointed one of God, God himself who came down to this earth, took on the form of human flesh, became a man, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, to take away the eternal penalty of our sins. Died, was buried three days, and became alive again. Returned to heaven. Someday, he's going to come back to meet us. Jesus is the Savior. Life, eternal life, starts by repenting of our sins and believing that Jesus is the Savior. Life, eternal life, starts as a point in time. Eternal life starts as a point in time, and then our, we grow as a believer. From that point in time, when you accept Christ, and I think Pastor Bob has been going through this the past couple weeks, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you, and the real you from that point in time is holy, pure, and righteous. From that point in time, when you have the life of Christ in you, You have perfect love in you because of Jesus' life. You are righteous, and you are able to follow the guidance of God. We grow as a believer. We mature as a believer by two things, the grace of God working in your life and you following the guidance of God. Another word for us following the guidance of God is obedience. the real, our growth as a believer involves living out the real you, living out the eternal life of Christ in us. One picture that helps, that should help us, help remind us of the life of Christ in us and our desperate need for Christ is this picture. Can anybody tell me what it is? Cheese. What kind of cheese? Swiss cheese. And I cho- chose this picture not because we are holy. <laughs> but but char- what's a characteristic of Swiss cheese? It's f- holes. It's full of holes. I am full of holes. You are full of holes. Our hearts are incomplete, imperfect, broken, and sinful. We are weak. And our problem is 
every time, uh, every day, all the time, we try to stuff those holes. We try to fill those holes, fix ourselves, and make ourselves feel good with our own power, our own abilities, our own accomplishments. Does that, does that make sense? We have holes. We're incomplete. We're broken people. We're hurting people. And we seek relief many times apart from God. We try to fix ourselves with our own power. When I try to do that, it never works. There's only one person who can fix me, who can heal me and give me hope. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. John wrote, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Today I'd like to look at two signs in the book of John, two miraculous signs in the book of John, and look at them, look at the signs themselves, and try to learn something about the person of Jesus Christ and also the life that he gives us. Life, eternal life, is a key thought in the book of John. I'd like, the first sign I'd like us to look at is the first sign in the book of John. Um, please open your Bibles to uh, John chapter 2. Verses 1 through 11. And I asked uh, my wife, Satomi, um, if she could come up and read the first couple verses in Japanese. And then she'll read it in English. Thank you. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Yohane no fukuin shou, 2 shou, 1 sets kara 3 sets. Sore kara 3 kame ni... ガリラヤの金で婚礼があって、そこにイエスの母がいた。イエスもまた弟子たちもその婚礼に招かれた。ブドウ酒がなくなった時、母がイエスに向かってブドウ酒がありませんと言った。On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had, been, had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best deal now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Thank you, Satomi. 
What happened here? Jesus turned water to wine. I think we're all, many of us are familiar with this miracle. Jesus showed he had power over nature to turn water to wine. On a deeper level, it shows he came to bring conversion, inner conversion, into our lives. But today I'd like to um, think um, beyond that a little wider and ask, why did Jesus do this miracle? Have you ever thought about that? What was Jesus' motivation for doing this miracle? I couldn't find any indication in the text that the bridegroom or the bride knew Jesus. And I don't think there's any clue in the text that says the bridegroom or the bride asks for Jesus' help. I don't even think they knew he was there. So why did Jesus do this miracle? What was Jesus' motivation? Was anybody in physical danger here? It's not written. Was anybody dying? It's not written. Um, There's no sin, no grievous sin here that is written to prompt Jesus. So why did Jesus do this miraculous sign? I used to think about that when I was a new Christian. I think um, one thing we may miss here in the West is the Asian aspect of Jesus' culture. Remember, the Hebrew culture was an Asian culture. It was an Eastern culture. When we read the Bible here in the West, this is a a Western culture. Um, When I first went to Japan in 86, I attended a church plant, and the missionary there pulled me aside, and he told me something interesting to help me understand um, Japan and Asian culture as a whole. He said, Stefan, in the West, where you grew up, Western culture is a sin culture, meaning um, sin or the avoidance of sin controls our actions. Right or wrong determines the decisions we make, the value systems we have, we have um, how we feel about ourselves. If we do something that is right, we feel good. If we do something that is wrong, that we know is a sin, we feel terrible inside. The Western culture is a sin culture, and that affects our worldview. Sin affects how we make decisions. Does that make sense? Now, when we step into the Eastern culture, um, the Asian culture, the missionary told me, Stefan, Asian culture, Eastern culture, is a shame culture. We're avoidance of shame determines how we make decisions. Um, If I do something, will this bring shame, embarrassment to my family, to my inner circle? Avoidance of shame, pride and shame are huge factors in influencing people's decision-making processes, their worldview. If someone does something that is shameful, they feel terrible. If they avoid shame, they feel okay. Does that Does that make sense? Jesus' culture, the Hebrew culture, was an Eastern culture. It was a shame shame culture. 
Getting back to this miracle in John chapter 2, weddings were big events, probably the biggest event in, in people's lives. Um, in that culture, in the Hebrew culture, in Jesus' time especially, um, providing well for your guests was very important. And if you did not provide well for your guests, if you ran out of food, if you ran out of drink, that was considered very shameful, a huge embarrassment. Think of the stress, the pressure, the gossip that would fall on the newlywed couple if their wedding reception was a failure. The gossip and the rumors that they would have to live with for the early years of their marriage. I would like to suggest in John chapter 2, one of the major motivations for Jesus doing this miracle was to rescue this young couple out of shame. Out of shame. The concept of shame occurs quite a bit, actually, in the Bible. The word shame, um, ashamed, or humiliation occurs about 260 times in the Bible. From the first book of the Bible, Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, they were both naked and they were not ashamed. In Revelation, I think it's around chapter 16, um, it talks about being shamed or avoiding shame because of sin. And it's all through the Gospels, especially the prophets, the concept of shame is very strong. Jesus rescued this couple out of shame. So I'd like to suggest point number one, the life of Jesus overflows with gracious actions towards others. That's what Jesus did in John chapter 2. The life of Jesus overflows with gracious actions towards others. And this life is in me and in you if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior. And this life, this life that overflows with unmerited, giving unmerited favor, is powerful when others see it, even if they don't understand it. I'd like to introduce you to Mrs. P. Mrs. P is a housewife in Kobe, Japan, where we live. Um, my wife, Satomi, met Mrs. P about four or five years ago. Um, Satomi, um, in the neighborhood, Satomi found a housewives beginners ballet class. Satomi wanted to meet women in our neighborhood, and she wanted to get exercise. She found a housewives beginners ballet class that met once a week um, in a small um, community center in our neighborhood. So she went once a week. Um, Satomi went, and Mrs. P also was uh, one of the, uh, the students. In time, the ballet teacher became pregnant. She was a young housewife. Satomi decided to give um, a baby shower for the ballet teacher at our home. So um, they, uh, Satomi and the other students planned it, and they came. Mrs. P was there. The program was simple. Simple games, simple gift giving, and um, simple Japanese-style potluck lunch. Um, before lunch, Satomi asked if she could pray for the meal because Satomi was the only um, believer there. So she did. Um, she thanked God for the food and also um, Satomi prayed for the young housewife 
and the unborn child that was in her. End of the prayer, Satomi looked up. Mrs. P was right in front of her, and she was crying. She was touched by that prayer of kindness for um, the young mother, mother to be. Mrs. P asked about our church plant, and she started coming. Last fall, after about two and a half years or three years of first making contact, Mrs. P accepted Christ. And I think it all started because of Satomi's um, prayer. The life of Christ overflows with gracious actions towards others. And it's in me and in you if we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. And it's powerful when others see it, even if they don't understand it. And it's in us. It's in us. And that's the real me. That's the real you. And we can live that life. Point number two, and I'll make it very brief. Let's look to the second to the last sign in the book of John. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Second to the last sign, but the biggest sign. John chapter 20, and because of time, I will read just a few verses. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. Because of time constraints, that's the only verse I'll read, but we, we are all familiar with this passage. Jesus became alive again. It's the, the account of the resurrection of Jesus. And in this miracle, we see that Jesus, that Jesus has life in his name. And the resurrection is too big a topic for us to think about. But like the first miracle, I want us to think, what does the resurrec resurrection tell us about life, eternal life in Jesus' name? Jesus showed to all of us that he has resurrection life in him, eternal life. And he showed us that he is stronger than the effects of sin and death. Jesus knew the effects of sin in people's lives. His own countrymen mocked him, scorned him. They spit on him. They caused him to be beaten, to be whipped. They put a crown of thorn on his head. They put him on a cross. Jesus knew that sin causes death. And he knew the pain, and he has the scars to prove it. On your outline, if you want to write um, the point number two, the life of Jesus is stronger than the destructive power of sin. The life of Jesus is stronger than the destructive power of sin, and it's in you and in me if we have believed in Jesus as our Savior. And it's powerful when others see it even if they don't understand it. Um, the illustration will be yours. You have homework today. Before the sun goes down, especially for point number two, I want all of us to wrestle with this truth, the life of Christ in us. The life of Jesus is stronger than the destructive power of sin. We are all Swiss cheese. We're incomplete, broken, 
sinful, weak people. We need hope and we need healing every day. Before the sun goes down today, perhaps on your drive home or this afternoon, think about an area in your life where you need hope, where you need healing, where you need forgiveness. We all do. Perhaps there's a, a little splinter of bitterness in your life. Perhaps there's a hardness of heart that you don't want to deal with. Perhaps it's a pain that will not go away. And the only way to deal with it is go to the cross of Jesus. We all desperately need Jesus. And the truth is, the life of Jesus is stronger than the destructive power of sin. And we need his life and we need to hold on to it because life beats us up. And sometimes because of our mistakes, because of our choices, we ruin our lives. We have hope and healing in the cross, in the life of Jesus. Um, Application points, I'll whip right through it. Application point number one, confirm. Confirm that you have the life of Christ in you. These were written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior. And if you don't have the life of Christ in you, in a few minutes, we'll give you a chance to make that decision. Confirm that you have the life of Christ in you. Point number two, repent. Repent. We all need to repent of self-centered decisions, of self-centered lifestyles that is not Christ-centered, that is not Bible-centered. We need to repent daily. Remember Jesus said, take up our cross daily and follow him. Martin Luther said it pretty well. Martin Luther said, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. We need to repent. Point number three, we need to grow. We need to grow through obedience in the life of Christ in us. Living the life that overflows with gracious actions toward others. Living the life that holds on to, to Jesus for hope and healing because of the destructive power of sin. We need to go to him for healing and hope. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are our God. And we thank you for the signs that were written in the book of John. And we thank you for the life that you give us because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You, you pour out your grace on us because your life overflows. And you heal us because your life, Jesus, is stronger than the destructive power of sin. And Father, you know that in this room right now, there are people who don't know you personally, who have not made that decision to say, yes, I repent of my sins. Yes, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Father, would you work in their, those people's hearts even now to help them make a decision today, now, to follow Jesus? With our eyes closed, if there's anybody in this room who would like to make a decision to follow Christ, to repent of their sins. And from this point in time forward, grow in Christ. Would you raise your hand? If anybody hasn't accepted Christ, would you raise your hand? Thank you. I see one. Anybody else? Let's continue praying. Father, 
We desperately need you every day, even today. Help us to know Jesus and his life better and better. And for that one person who, accept, who raised their hand to accept Christ, would you help that person grow? We thank you in Jesus' name.